0: This week, our executive producer Adam Gobeski suggested we watch the 1952 movie Ma and Pa Kettle at the Fair. As much as we'd like to watch the fourth movie in the series to feature a hillbilly couple with 15 children, we decided to watch On Golden Pond instead.
1: Hello, everyone, welcome to Cinematic Respect. I am your first co-host, Jessica Clares.
0: And I am your second co-host, Charlie Wallace. Uh, Jessica, so this week, we do not have a guest. We do not have a
1: guest, or I think we do have a guest, but it's just, you know, it's not an outside guest.
0: Right. (laughs) So we decided this week, the person who hadn't watched the film was going to be me. That's right. And so we had a sort of texting back and forth, and we just, I think, narrowed it down to two films, right? Two
1: movies, exactly. Two films, because it turns out Charlie has seen almost everything.
0: That's not true. Oh my gosh. I'm sure there's a lot of things, but... I'm
1: sorry. Tarkovsky, whatever. (laughs) So, yeah, Charlie's seen a little bit of everything, and so finding movies he hasn't seen is a little bit challenging from time to time.
0: Um, And the two that we had settled on were Pretty Woman, Mm -hmm. which somehow I hadn't seen, and then this week's episode is on... On
1: Golden Pond.
0: On Golden Pond. 1981. So you know it would have been an easier decision all you needed to tell me was two words and those two words were Dabney Coleman <laughs> <laughs> I had no I had no idea he was in this you didn't yes I'm a huge Dabney Coleman fan this is our second Dabney Coleman it movie it
1: is because he was in War Games
0: he was in War yes our very first episode uh, yes no.
1: oh gosh no it's just nostalgic <laughs> Um. yes Dabney I mean you don't run into a lot of Dabneys
0: <laughs> he's the only one
1: <laughs> so yes there well, is- someday
0: I'll have an opportunity to name a child and that might be high on my list
1: later on when kara gets home i'm pretty sure she's gonna veto that (laughs) (laughs) but yes dabney dabney cole and see and that's the thing is i i actually had forgotten that he was in it I've, I've, i've seen this movie probably four times this is probably my fifth viewing this this one but um i always forget which actor is playing him because of the crazy bushy beard Oh, yeah. Like, I was just kind of like, oh, you know, vague guy that I know him when I see him, but I always forget, and mm-hmm. then I see him, and I'm like, oh, yeah, it's that guy. Yeah,
0: I saw the name come up in the credits. It's like, ah, I'm, I'm on board now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Before I was on the fence, but now I'm in.
0: Yeah, it was a little bit ter- trepidatious, but we'll get into that.
1: Anyway, so... This is this is one of my favorite movies. I I like it a lot. Um, but this is when I remember watching with my parents probably when I was in like junior high school and I don't know that I appreciated it as much then, but as I get older, I appreciate it more and more.
0: Yeah, that is one of the this is one of those sorts of films where hopefully when I'm 80, <laughs> I'll have a whole new appreciation for what's going on here. Yes, you too I think can. if I'd watched this 10, 12 years ago, it would be different than my viewing this time.
1: You two can just randomly curse. <laughs> Anyway, so, on Golden Pond, again, made in, in 1981, it is based on a play by Ernest Thompson that was, let's see, that looks like that was out in 1979. So they did a quick turnaround, you know, getting into a into a screenplay. But it is the story of an aging couple, Ethel and Norman Thayer. They have a cabin up on, uh, it seems like in New England area,
0: Car and I had a little discussion about it. We, I don't think in the movie it's explicit where it is. They filmed it in New Hampshire, mm-hmm. but we listened to one of the characters' accents, and we're like, "That's Maine." <laughs> 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 and I guess the original stage play was set in in Maine.
1: Okay, I mean, I was just assuming kind of New England. That just the way they talked about California specifically, yes. Yes. it sounded like you know. The way that New Englanders talk about places like California. So, (laughs) But yes, they have a cabin um, on a lake that's called Golden Pond, which is funny because it's a rather large lake. It is definitely not a pond. But anyways, they go there every year and they are getting on in years. Um, You have your two lead characters played by Henry Fonda and Catherine Hepburn. He's getting on in years. He's having some forgetfulness. He's experiencing kind of normal pain and medical concerns you have as you age. And he's pretty crabby pretty (laughs) he's kind of a jerk to everybody kind of pushes everybody away from him i think the only person being his wife who he clearly adores uh you see that right away but the story is kind of like they get there they're settling in and their only daughter who is played by jane fonda uh comes to comes to visit them she has a new boyfriend and he has a son and so they visit you can clearly tell there's some some issues there uh in her relationship with her father and then she and her boyfriend leave for a month and so they leave the boy there and i think that's really the big breakthrough for for norman for for henry fonda's character and you kind of see how they grow and learn from each other relationships shift and change as a result have you heard of this movie before charlie
0: i definitely heard of this movie it's one of those ones that comes up on a lot of greatest film lists and Mm -hmm. what i knew about this movie was that it starred Catherine Hepburn and Henry Fonda, mm-hmm. and that they're an old couple, and I knew about that Night in Shiny Armor line. It's oh, like you one of the more, Yeah, it's one of the more famous huh. cinematic I thought, lines. I, like, like,
1: I thought it was going to be, you old poop.
0: <laughs> oh Well, that was great. I wasn't expecting that. But I think it's on AFI's list of mm-hmm. top 100 movie quotes or whatever. So I knew that was coming up, um, but otherwise I didn't really know anything. I was kind of expecting sort of – Acting tour de force about an aging couple. What well, I, I guess I got, but there was a lot of surprising elements to it that.
1: It's always funnier than I think it's going to be. I mean, not in a necessarily a laugh out loud kind of way, but definitely in a. You might have like a little bit of, little, little chuckle and definitely a smirk the way the lines are dealt are yeah. out. So
0: when the movie starts out, so Catherine Hepburn and Henry Fonda are Ethel and Norman respectively, and they're coming to their cabin by a lake that has been closed up all winter. Initially, you get a little bit of the Henry Fonda being upset, like remembering his past a little bit and knowing that he's getting older and having trouble using the phone. So I really thought that the movie was going to heavily lean into that aspect, which it does. I mm-hmm. mean, you get a lot of that, but yeah. but I was pretty surprised when the banter that you're talking about started to show up mm-hmm. maybe you know, ten minutes into the film, mm-hmm. that was kind of a nice reprieve from what would have otherwise been a very weighty <laughs> movie.
1: And I feel like there's elements of this that make it feel like it was adapted from the stage. Yeah, you know, oh, yeah. Um, and so even just the way it's introduced, I really, I really do like that. Um, you can tell he's pretty cantankerous uh, when they very first get there. He has no enthusiasm for all the things that. That Ethel has enthusiasm for right when they first get there. He doesn't hear the loons. She's like, Oh, the loons are greeting us. And he's like, I don't hear anything. And he's just kind of grouchy. And I do really like, um, kind of pretty quickly, it shows that he you know physically he's you know he's definitely feel a little worn down mentally you know his memory isn't the greatest i really liked the first interaction when she goes off to kind of look for firewood and go greet the lake that when he does want to check to make sure the phone works you know that he tries to call the operator gets distracted by a photograph where he's like who's in this photograph and it's clearly him and and his wife and child from you know when the little girl was like two years old or something like that and he's like can't figure who it is and by then he's forgotten that he's called the operator so then he's like what hello it was a good establishing scene without being too heavy-handed
0: and other things make it really obvious that it was adapted from a play like or there's only a couple of actual sets that you might need to use Mm -hmm. for something like that the limited cast i think there's maybe six characters total yes like six main characters and then maybe a
1: a couple, a couple of, of very ancillary characters. A couple characters. of kids, yeah. But yeah. otherwise, yeah, six characters. Yeah.
0: And just a lot of dialogue mm-hmm. the entire time. A lot of mm-hmm. the stuff is established via dialogue mm-hmm. rather than... Although there was the scene initially where he was looking at the photos and stuff that gags or things that wouldn't have worked.
1: When he's, you know, he takes off his hat and he puts on his little fishing hat, because obviously it's the summer now. Um, and you see a picture... Of Henry Fonda kind of like in his heyday, you know, he's got his shirt off, he's all ripped and like whatever, mm. and which is also next to a framed um, newspaper that shows him like right on the cover when he was retiring as a professor. So clearly he was very successful. And I think he's having, you know, trouble after that.
0: Yeah, the newspaper was kind of interesting, too. Doesn't it talk about how well it paid its professors or mm-hmm. something? To try to establish that they were well off. I yeah. don't know. It's I don't kind know. of unusual. I
1: thought that was unusual, too. But <laughs> I don't know. It is a nice boat.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> it's a nice cabin, nice boat. Mm-hmm. They're they're doing, just fine. they're
1: doing fine, Um yeah.
0: So th- I guess the main thing we should talk about starting off is just the casting.
1: Yeah, the casting it is amazing. It's the last movie that Henry Fonda did.
0: Right. Yeah. yeah.
1: And Katherine Hepburn, I mean... I like them together. I felt like they had a good, easy chemistry together. Which apparently they
0: hadn't worked together until this film. It's the first time.
1: There are times when um, you see a movie where they pack it with big A-list celebrities and it, it doesn't feel comfortable. It doesn't feel easy. You know what I'm saying? Where you're just like, okay, well, clearly these were slapped in here for their names. But I didn't get that feeling from this.
0: Sometimes it's interesting when casting is done and somewhat uses the notoriety of the people that it's casting in order to... Further the film in itself, right? Yeah. So if you had cast actors who are maybe just as good, but weren't as big names, I don't think it would have quite had the impact of actually seeing those two on screen. Like knowing their cinematic history actually, I think, makes certain aspects of it feel a little bit more tragic or hit home a little bit
1: more. So for people who had loved these actors, actresses, you know, actor and actress for so many years, maybe it was easier to identify.
0: Yeah. And maybe seeing them older, but also knowing... What they had been like when they were younger too, mm-hmm. and like,
1: yeah, you know the, what they had stood prime. for. Mm-hmm. Like,
0: I, it reminds me of there was a film I don't remember when it came out called Revolutionary Road. Did yeah. you ever see that one with Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet playing opposite each other as a, a couple that has a really difficult marriage? So yes. I, I mean, I thought that was just another example of like using two people who already have a some sort of cinematic, cinematic history, history, yeah, to kind of actually make it even more tragic of a story it was almost (laughs) kind of cruel
1: (laughs) i'll never give up jack
0: (laughs) (laughs) one thing i was really surprised about was the knight in shining armor line that catherine hepburn says Mm -hmm. i was expecting that to be at the crux of the film or like towards the end or the climax and it wasn't it was like one of the first scenes in the movie So I thought that that was like this huge, that's one of the things that kind of surprised me. I was like, I thought that was a huge emotional moment. It is an emotional moment.
2: Listen to me, master. You're my knight in shining armor. Don't you forget it. You're going to get back on that horse and I'm going to be right behind you holding on tight and away we're going to go, go, go. I don't like horses. (laughs) You are a pretty old dame, aren't you? Oh. What are you doing with a daddy or something? It's like me. Well, I haven't the vaguest idea.
0: It's her talking about how you know she still sees him as like a powerful man, and like she still looks to him for that sort of you know protection, even though she's really the one who's doing.
1: All the heavy lifting.
0: Yes, exactly. She's the one taking care of him. So it's this whole reversal they have between them of, you know, he's that's always how he's seen himself and how she's seen him. And now things are kind of reversing where she's taking care of him. And I, I really enjoyed that.
1: Maybe it's because I share her kind of optimistic, cheerful view of the world that I over identify with, you know, this idea. And so I really like that she recognizes what her role is and he can be honest with her he can be vulnerable or frail uh in front of her and she supports him and the way that he supports her is maybe a little less verbal or or obvious but she needs him to know that she needs him you know that's even part of the way that she supports him is to say look i don't go anywhere
0: one of the main characteristics of henry fonda's character which is that so he says a lot of things that are interpreted as mean or might actually be mean, but by the end of the movie, you get the impression that he's always just trying to be funny and entertaining, at least to himself. Yeah, and that he doesn't really mean any of the things he says in a really negative, in a way. hurtful way. Yes, no. he doesn't mean to be hurtful to anyone.
1: Mm-hmm. But it's not. Negative. It's not not looking down on it even. It's more just kind of again making jokes. He has the same thing with don't don't fall in love with any foreigners or whatever when she goes over to (laughs) Europe, and and so like these little things where again like you said he doesn't necessarily mean anything negative by it. It's more just being sarcastic, funny, cynical. (laughs) Yeah,
0: Uh, and the dialogue in the movie is fantastic. I mean, because of all those one liners, I think like all the things that we've been talking about, it's it's pretty funny.
1: Even just the emphasis he'll put on words. Yeah. um, yeah. You know, where he's like, good God, I like, can't <laughs> believe this costs whatever. And, you know, just, I don't know, making yeah. fun of things. It's
0: sort of another tip off that it, maybe it's a, a stage play is the very the very witty banter or using these two older Hollywood actors who would have been in maybe, or like Catherine Hepburn would have been in like screwball comedies or whatever, yes. where they're used to this sort of very intense,
1: back and hilarious forth. back and forth. Thing. Yeah.
0: The other thing that I thought was interesting about the way the dialogue was written is that there are certain times where you don't completely know whether he's giving somebody crap or whether he's actually forgetful oh definitely yeah so it's really interesting to be able to play it both ways where as an audience you're kind of like oh that was that's kind of funny is he trying to be funny or does he not actually know what's going on yeah
1: well and then i we can't Kind of continue on from casting without talking about Jane Fonda. Oh yeah, yeah. So I mean, obviously, it's a big wink or whatever you. I don't know what the I don't know what the right word is to have Jane Fonda playing Henry Fonda's daughter when she's obviously is his daughter, but knowing that their relationship had been difficult in real life, so this was a little little poignant.
0: Or I think that actually affected the scene. Mm-hmm. According to some of the trivia I mm-hmm. I read, was that her actually so there's a scene towards the end of the movie where Jane Fonda actually tries to connect more with her father in a very deliberate, direct way that she hadn't mm-hmm. tried
2: before. I think that um, maybe you and I should have the kind of relationship that we're supposed to have. What kind of relationship is that? Well, you know, like a, like a father and a daughter. Yeah, just in the nick of time, huh? Worried about the will, are you? Well, I'm leaving everything to you except what I'm taking with me.
1: <laughs> just stop it. I don't want anything. It just, it seems that you and me have been mad at each other
2: for so long. I didn't know we were mad, I thought we just didn't like each other. I, I want to be your friend. Oh. this mean you come around more often? Mean a lot to your mother. i come around more
0: often. No. Henry Fonda's reaction in that scene was very real. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, they'd had that conflict before.
1: yeah. Yeah. So like I said, they have a couple weeks, I think you get the impression Mm -hmm. they have a couple weeks, maybe even a month on their own at the cabin that uh, Norman and Ethel before their daughter shows up. So you can see what he's like, you can see how he picks on people, you can see how he's forgetful and that there's certain things that he just doesn't do anymore. There's a point at which he offers to drive the boat and she's like, are you sure? Like you can tell she's a little uneasy and he insistent you know it's kind of more of a i think he was feeling a little frail little crazy old manish and wanted to feel like himself again and so he um takes off and gets awfully close to the corner of this building
0: oh yeah <laughs> i thought boat. i thought he was going to hit i
1: totally i was like, like he's gonna crash
0: the boat <laughs> yeah Guess a little bit of foreshadowing. <laughs> exactly.
1: Um, but, yeah, so that gets close. But so you, you have all of that kind of before before his daughter shows up. And then when she's even there, she meets her mother first outside and is like, oh, mom, it's so great to see you. And the second she sees her dad, she's like, hi, Norman. Right. She doesn't call him dad. And so the scene you're referring to kind of at the end, that might be a little bit more touching, is she does
0: That's true. call him dad. And I, the other thing was it took me a while to realize uh, maybe – Two thirds of the movie to figure out that she was actually his biological daughter. I assumed because she was calling him Norman that there had oh. been some sort of remarriage. Oh, but got But that just means that the movie was effective in relaying that there was some sort of issue between them because some she kind wasn't of a calling disconnect. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. No, no, it's just uh, she always felt a little less than right, less than what he wanted.
0: So getting that relationship. I was watching this with Cara and she caught I think the last two thirds of the movie so towards the end right before she talks mm-hmm. with her father mm-hmm. um her complaints mm-hmm. about her father being distant and not really being able to connect with him because she thought that henry fonda wanted a boy yeah so cara had the same reaction that katherine hepburn had which is like just get over it
1: yeah like, <laughs> like this you're is acting part of being like an, an adult yeah. yeah
0: um i didn't have the same reaction oh you didn't no i was definitely on her side i mean maybe it's just mm-hmm. like as soon as she gets there like he she barely says hello and all, and he's just insulting her.
1: Oh, yeah. No, he, he totally says, uh, you know, there's our fat little girl or something right. like that, which is, I mean, it is awful. I feel like I've kind of fallen between you guys because I think that he was awful and not like wasn't terrible. I mean, clearly she was clearly she had a reasonably good childhood. She just didn't feel like her father was ever proud of her or happy for her baby. And and like, you know, she wasn't enough. And I think that, that obviously can affect you for quite a long time. The point at which I kind of toggled a little bit is when she was there playing Parcheesi. and so it's she's the only one who's not playing. And she's off to the side and as far as you know, nothing has happened. There's been no ant- antagonizing going on. It's been relatively quiet and she's really pouty and kind of broody. And there is a point at which there's a point at which you have to you have to give up, like carrying this around with you. You have to give you know, kind of move forward. And either you want to or you don't. And I think that was kind of what Catherine yeah. Hepburn was saying. And I think there's also a separate issue is that even if you do feel that way, you still have to be respectful of the fact that this is this is your mother's husband. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. yeah, even if you're mad at your dad and even if it was warranted, there's only so much you can expect them to be on your side and only so insulting you can be to their face. If you need that, that maybe you need to go do that with a therapist or with even just another friend or something.
0: I don't know. I felt I felt it was one of the weaker story aspects of the film mostly because she comes in at about maybe the one third mark and then leaves for a good good portion of the film yeah and then comes back just to have this brief moment with her father yeah. really so there isn't a lot i thought from her and there wasn't a lot going on. That, she doesn't get the screen time that a lot of the other no. so i don't think that what was there was done necessarily poorly it's just
1: it was, it, it was yeah thin. if you wanted
0: to have the, the impact it's supposed to have i think they could have given a little bit more
1: more time to it Um, But I think the way I took it was that she's been there, you know, less and less. She goes back to see them less and less because there's definitely comments made about how infrequently they see her. And then when she came back after being in Europe for a month or whatever, I think she was really startled or surprised to see that somebody other than her mother was getting along with her father. That there was this baseline belief that the only person who could tolerate her father was her mother. And so seeing it work with somebody else, you know, it changed up the pattern The pattern behavior. And so it was really quick. It's kind of rushed this breakthrough. But I think that was supposed to be the reason that it happens the way it does is because she finally can see that maybe it's a little bit of me, too.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: And not just my dad.
0: So, yeah, when Jane Fonda first shows up, she shows up by herself. But in the car with her (laughs) is um, your favorite. Yes. Dabney Coleman, who plays her boyfriend, the dentist, and his son.
1: Um, it's one of my favorite boyfriend-father conversations yeah. on film.
0: I It's probably my favorite scene in the movie. Like, as great as all the other acting is, it kind of came out of nowhere. Because you, you get Coleman coming in, mm-hmm. and he kind of takes a back seat at first. initially at mm-hmm. first, right? He's very deferential to Henry Fonda. But he decides to stay back in order to talk with Henry Fonda, specifically to ask him, is it okay if... Your daughter sleeps in the same bed as me. And Henry Fonda just gives him tons of crap.
2: just go ahead and be as poopy as you want, to to quote Chelsea, and I'll be as receptive and as pleasant as I can be. But uh, I want you to bear one thing in mind while you're jerking me around, making me feel like an asshole. I know precisely what you're up to. I'll take just so much of it. Okay? And what is the bottom line on this illicit sex question? Very good. That's a good speech. Bottom line. Yeah, you're a bottom line, man. All right, here's the bottom line. Okay. Hmm. You seem like a nice man. That verbose, but nice. Thank you. And you're right about me. I am fascinating.
1: But it was so funny. I really appreciate the way he did it because, I mean, I think the big takeaway is that he doesn't, I mean, Henry Fonda does not care. Like, his character doesn't care at all, but he can't just let him off the hook and just be like, yeah, that's cool. Right. So he has to walk it around and it just ends up being one of the funnier, one of the funnier and not fake cheesy feeling mm-hmm. ways of doing this. I feel like other movies have done this, you know, kind of like the father disapproving or pressuring or giving a hard time ribbing a boyfriend. But I don't know. I really, I really enjoyed this. <laughs>
0: and so at first glance, there's not a lot. It seems like you can get out of that scene beyond it just being entertaining. But I guess it kind of goes to show you what his son is going to be like. If the apple doesn't fall exactly far from the tree.
1: Well, and you only get very, very briefly watch him interact with his son.
2: Right. Watch,
1: and it's a similar level of aggression. It's clear that he's been with his, that his son has been with his mother most of the time and now is with him. And so you don't know exactly what led to that, but it sounds like his mother either didn't want to deal with him anymore or whatever. I get the impression that he was being passed from his mother to his father. Mm -hmm. Not that his father was really seeking him out and trying to get him, Mm -hmm. but that it was kind of more of a, well, I guess I have him for a while now. And then they immediately... Ditch him with with Norman and Ethel. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So it's leading up to one of the more important characters in the film, which is Billy Ray, which is Dabney Coleman's son. Yeah. And he ends up staying with with Ethel and Norman at the cottage for like a month.
1: About a month. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe Um, a little more.
0: So actually the majority of the film is just all three of those characters interacting with one another and learning to appreciate each other.
1: I think it's definitely true that people that you grew up with when you don't see them for a while and you come back, you will fall back into that like yes. that kind of relationship or that kind of rut, that kind of behavior. And so I think you have all of these little ruts. And so the character, Billy, who's coming in is going to mix things up. Right. Yeah. <laughs> because you have no – he's not their grandchild. He's not their child. So there's no, like, certain assumed level of respect or pecking order. You know what I'm saying? And so he can be a little snarky back. I like that right when uh, Jane Fonda and, her, and, and Dabney, whatever, I like when they leave, obviously the kid is going to act out a little bit. He's hurt that he's being dumped again.
2: Well, gentlemen, it's a beautiful day. We're going fishing.
1: What? We're going
2: what? Fishing. You remember fishing, Norman? You're going to show Billy what life is all about on Golden Pond. Come on, Billy. Oh shit. I beg your pardon. Does that mean you can't wait to get out there or that it's not your cup of tea? It's bullshit. That's all. I see. Well, come on, doorman. Let's get ready. You like that word, don't you? Bullshit.
1: Yeah. It's a good word. And they use that with each other for you know pretty much all of the scenes you see after that. Um, it's It's definitely a little moment, I guess, where it's like I'm not here to bust you on stupid, kind of inconsequential right. things. Yeah. but obviously this all leads up to having Billy 13 year old be there um, with still one of my favorite. And least favorite terminal ter- terms for making out, <laughs> which is suck face. And I, I, I have to say that I had heard this term well before seeing this movie because uh, growing up in the 80s. I have three sisters who were teenagers. I've definitely heard that, heard that phrase before. I think it's something that lived and died in the 80s, right. and I'm okay with this.
0: It was thrown out there as uh, <laughs> something that's better than fishing, right? <laughs> so he brings up
1: what cruise, he might be doing in, uh, back in California. <laughs> cruise chicks and suck face. And I'm like, you're 13. Really? <laughs>
0: But yeah, and th- another great thing Henry Fonda picks up on that, and he starts using it at different points in the movie.
1: Seriously, it's one of my all-time favorites. Is that when he's really like at the end of the movie, there is you know there's this health scare, there you know he might die. It's really kind of this this very touching moment, and when he finally gets back up on his feet, he's kind of leaning against Catherine Hepburn, and he's like, "You want to dance or just suck face?" And it's just. <laughs> I don't know something about uh, you know this actor this like you know momentous actor Henry Fonda saying "suck face" is just uh, why it's isn't hilarious. that one
0: of AFI's top one hundred <laughs> quotes? Seriously, it's so
1: it's funny. the more memorable
0: one to, for me.
1: <laughs> just hearing certain actors say certain things you just never thought you'd hear them say, you
0: know. <laughs> uh, so Billy Ray's here. He is he's hesitant at first, but they kind of bring him into the group and he really gets into fishing so that leads to another scene where they go into sort of a dangerous cove area
1: but i think this is the combination of of a you know this kind of inexperienced kid and an old man who is forgetful and so kind of figuring out um how to go in there and how much it's worth it and how much risk there's involved they do okay getting in like and so you feel you start to feel a little optimistic that it's going to be fine (laughs) Once they they make it in, they drop their anchor and they fish for a while looking for this trout. They don't find him. But the kid does reel in a dead loon. And so it's kind of this hi let me reel up some heavy symbolism <laughs> like that's what it felt like to me you know yeah. it's very much to me that makes it feel like a stage play like don't exactly dun. Yeah. let me show you that okay when the beginning of this movie at the end of this movie and throughout the movie we talk about loons and how this pair of loons is clearly representative of ethel sure. and norman yep. themselves and now we found a dead loon and so it's immediately following that After they, and they take their time with this too. He reels up the dead loon. Henry Fonda clips the line and says, Let him go, let him go. And then they sit there and we watch for multiple (laughs) seconds as this dead loon sinks into the water, into the darkness below.
0: I think there are a lot of aspects like that where it's like, Yeah, I think that kind of came over. I mean, the guy who wrote the screenplay is the same guy who wrote the play. Yeah. So a lot of this stuff came over. And that's something that I agree. Like, it probably could have done without that. I mean,
1: Like I, I kind of get what's going on here. Yeah. So I was unsure if Henry Fonda volunteers to go up on the boat deck, mm-hmm. which is def- clearly the more dangerous place to be. I wasn't sure if it was kind of a defiant, like, I can still do things, or if it was more his morose, darker, dangerous, I don't know, taking risks thing because yes. I'm going to die anyway, was motivating oh, yeah. him going up on the boat yeah, deck. Yeah,
0: that's hard to say. I mean, it's kind of open for debate there. I, there could be multiple reasons. I would probably tend to decide more like, oh, yeah, here's some reminder of death, and I'm just going to go out and do something that proves I'm alive or
1: whatever. Yeah. He's kind of got that. Defiant streak. Yeah, sort of defiant yeah. streak in him. Huh? So I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if it was if it was defiant or if it was dark.
0: Time number 20 or 30 or whatever during the movie, he does something stupid <laughs> <True>. <laughs> that he shouldn't be doing. True. So. I,
1: I I liked the, you know, obviously, like you said, it is heavy-handed, obviously. um, So when they're veering around the rocks, they're doing okay um but then there comes a point where they feel he feels like they're coming up on this one rock too quickly and he wants him to throw it into reverse and the kid you know he's still new right and so in an like a high anxiety moment accidentally kicks it full throttle forward and they crash pretty spectacularly into this rock throwing henry fonda a good distance or like yeah. you said a stunt guy but yeah. whatever and so they managed to kind of save each other to at least get on the yeah rock. that
0: was kind of weird that too. was a
1: little cheesy i didn't
0: like like Henry Fonda's acting was okay, the sort of like, I'm half drowning thing. So so the kid saves Henry Fonda, and then the kid, I guess, has expended so much energy in doing that that he falls off the rock, and then Henry Fonda comes back and saves him.
1: Yeah, that was and a little... Was like, you're like, wait, what's wrong with you, kid?
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. But but, he wasn't quite as uh, convincing with his pretend drowning.
1: No. But, I mean, I definitely, like, you know, it's but nice again, that the only person who would know that they're gone is Ethel, and she... She goes and grabs uh, Charlie. Oh, this is another Charlie.
0: Yes. It's another instance of uh, my name being used in the movie. There
1: you go. It's another Charlie. Anyway, so he's, I I liked, I mean, if you're going to have some miscellaneous third, you know, kind of third party character, Mm -hmm. I really liked him. I think he's kind of endearing. And I liked that he's just kind of this dorky guy who delivers the mail on the lake and has clearly always had a thing for their daughter. Yep. Like, it's just cheesy. And I like it. And he's the
0: one with the main accent. That's how I could tell where it was. It's like, okay, I figured it out.
1: (laughs) she goes and grabs Charlie and they go and they go and find them. And I, I do also find it funny that she kind of, I don't know, magnanimously like leaps in the water and swims over to them.
0: So I guess the water was really cold and everyone was wearing wetsuits except her. Oh, she, Yep. So she did that whole stunt herself. She jumped in and I guess her. it was freezing cold. Yeah.
1: She's kind of badass, Catherine Hepburn is. I yeah. like her a lot. Yeah. I think she's No, amazing. absolutely. But I mean, it's supposed to be kind of like this big breakthrough scene. You have a couple of different things happening. You have um, finally fully established that Henry Fonda's character and this kid, whatever, are good friends. They get along really well. You have him be grouchy to him a few times, but for the most part, they're good. But then in there, they're sitting in there, and he says something to the kid, and he calls him Chelsea. So he's clearly having kind of a forgetful, unbalanced moment. And the kid is like, you know, are you okay? And I don't know, he makes reference to his death, and the kid says, you know, I'll miss you. And so let's just at least supposed to be this kind of bonding little touching right. moment yep. of him showing vulnerability and not get immediately getting angry about it allowing it to just kind of sit there with somebody other than his wife mm-hmm. yep um because he's always I do really appreciate their relationship the dynamic between between Katherine Hepburn and Henry Fonda I do like that early on you see him be very vulnerable and afraid at times and he reacts by being meaner to other people but the yeah. second they're by themselves he's just very open and honest with her um and so i appreciate that he doesn't keep it from everyone
0: and she acts as his ambassador basically for the whole film is she's trying to explain to other people the way that he is and like if you can just get past this you know i know what he's really like and i mean you see that in other movies and maybe that character's just making an excuse. But here, it's really true. It's like, yeah, no, you need to know him like I do. Just get past this, and then you can actually make a connection. Because she's figured out how to do it. And she's trying to get everyone else to be able to do that.
1: too. Yeah. I think that their dynamic on screen is very believable. Yeah. I really like them.
0: So it turns out, by the end of the movie, everybody likes everybody. Henry Fonda. Yep, Everybody's yeah. getting along just fine. And then they leave.
1: I mean the it's it's pretty again similar with the loon with the dead loon I feel like it's pretty heavy handed the the wrap up with his daughter they have kind of a real conversation he says he's happy for her and then there's this incredibly kind of cheesy secondary scene with her doing this stupid dive that they make a big deal out of. <laughs> oh,
0: right. The diving backwards. Yes. Yeah. And everybody
1: applauds and it's yeah. it's a little over the top. But <laughs> it's, I think, more that, you know, she can see that he's not always the way she assumed he was. Right. Yeah. So, ta-da. So yeah. it. Mean, and honestly, okay, so my I'm going to do the little extra special warm and fuzzy corner for a second but
0: (laughs) we can make that a segment
1: uh, yeah exactly (laughs) now it's time for Jessica's warm and fuzzy special corner but (laughs) seriously I think that that is something that um sometimes people are too close to a relationship to realize at what point you need to just let things be how they are. Mm-hmm. And if you want to have any kind of relationship with this person while there's still time left, you just have to kind of accept it where it's at. You have to stop trying to fix it or change it and make it be what you want it to be. And I feel like um, I've witnessed this. um in you know in my own family and in, in other people's you know close friends or whatever their families where you have a situation where you know somebody just really doesn't like that grandma you know says things that are you know a little politically incorrect or whatever and there's there's a point at which you can say i'm uncomfortable with what you're saying or you know you can kind of stay in your ground but at some point you just have to kind of be like yep that's a thing yep and i love you anyway and i'm still at least going to be around you or a continuous relationship um because there's only there's only so much time there's only so much you can expect change wise at a certain age yeah.
0: so yeah the movie's very character driven it's very acting driven if you had to choose one performance from this film whose performance was your favorite i know that's hard with an ensemble cast but
1: i i i, I have to go with henry fonda i'm sorry because i it's a close between him and katherine Hepburn, but i'm going henry
0: I I would have to agree with you there.
1: I I have to say so as a person who doesn't tend to like tear up at movies, like that's not I'm not very often. When he has his um he strains himself lifting a box and he kind of collapses and she rushes over to him and He's, you know, kind of clutching his chest. He's clearly in pain and she's getting his nitroglycerin. And so you have this kind of like, you see what there's no one else around. No one else is going to help them. You know, she can't pick him up. She can't move him. She's trying to call 911. But she just says, she goes, please, God, don't take him now. And it's just one of those things that I think is that interaction between them is very real and very believable and... don't know it actually makes me get a little little teary you know
0: it's it's an interesting scene too because i'm just starting now to think about it again and he's very morose and morbid and that's not i don't think it's a recent thing either like Mm -mm. this is going back a long period of time um so he's been thinking about death and about you know what's going to happen and she's kind of the opposite she's very lively and Optimistic. optimistic and just thinking about you know tomorrow what's coming forward. And this is the point where she actually has to start thinking like him.
1: Yeah. Well, and she, so even, this is kind of heartbreaking. she even says that she goes, you know, you've been talking about death for as long as I've known you, but this is the first time I really realized like, this is going to happen. Yeah. You know, that we're, we're going to die. And I liked, I liked him. He goes like, I don't remember exactly what he says to her, but like, how was it? And she's like, it was okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. I love the little, the little dynamic between them in that, it was very easy for me to believe that they've been together a long time. Yeah. That they still really love each other. It's very sweet. Yeah. Um, And so I liked it, you know, again, heavy handedness where, you know, he does get up and they go to say goodbye to the lake. And this time he points out that you can hear the loons. Um, And the loons are by themselves.
0: Yeah. It's all tying together.
1: All by themselves because <laughs> that's what's going to happen.
0: So this movie was nominated for a lot of different Oscars. It was nominated for it. So Henry Fonda won for his performance. Catherine Hepburn won for her performance. Jane Fonda was nominated, okay. at least, best adapted screenplay. Another one I think was nominated for was cinematography. Okay. So I don't know. What are your feelings on on that?
1: Cinematography I think was pretty thin, pretty weak. Yeah. Uh,
0: it's there were scenes like I really like the opening scene where you have that gradual I think upward shot of the lake, and you mm-hmm. can see it. Shimmering and see like a little peninsula or like an island jutting into the frame. I mm-hmm. thought like the opening shot and the final shot where we're really well pretty, done. Yeah, some of the stuff in the middle on the lake itself was mm-hmm. pretty nice. I mean,
1: they flipped that film like rock stars. Yeah, like a kid exactly. driving boat.
0: <laughs> But I didn't think that it connected with the rest of the film very well. No, no, I, I felt like it was just kind of thrown put this in there. As
1: cinematography. Yeah,
0: but it was nominated. It didn't win.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: um, but that was something that was like okay, I see that. They're really trying hard with that, and I don't think it quite hits. Which brings me to the other thing, which my very, very least favorite part of this Uh-oh. movie was the soundtrack. I hate – it's not the soundtrack itself that I hated. It was the use of the soundtrack I hated.
1: So which 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 part? Give me a for instance. Every part
0: where they used the piano to – accentuate something that was happening on screen like a moment between characters or <laughs>
1: yeah it's like
0: it's like they didn't trust us to be able to figure out that that was an important line or something <laughs> so they're like oh i'm gonna play this little little ditty and that way you know they're like oh something really important happened right here i, I don't noticed. maybe you didn't notice
1: i don't think it. i think i noticed it more so when in the early in the movie before you know jane fonda and, and everybody shows up when it's just the two of them and he gets lost Walking their road. The music I was okay with then because I think it was supposed to show like his, you know, panicking anxiety yeah. or whatever. And I was I okay that with that. Yep. Like that's okay. And then I think the use of the music, you know, during like the scary boat accident, mm-hmm. whatever, I thought that was okay. But I agree with you that using it when it's just like, this is supposed to be important dialogue. You should be paying attention right. here. That <laughs> felt a little cheesy.
0: Yeah. And it, overall, I think it felt a little bit melodramatic.
1: It was nineteen eighty one, yeah,
0: nineteen eighty one. Like, giving it,
1: him a little bit of flyer. Felt
0: like it could have been like a television show or something. Yes, yes, yeah. I think that was also nominated. It was nominated for an Oscar, did not win for best original score, and it just kept bringing me out of the movie every single time it would happen. Okay. I would just say the car like ah. I hate
1: I hate this. this
0: music this
1: music is terrible because you know I what? loved
0: so much of the rest of the film <laughs> did that... you feel
1: like you just needed to advance the film strip from like grade school <laughs> yes When will chime and you're like oh I'm supposed to turn it on <laughs> for some of our younger listeners you have no idea what we're talking about and that's okay <laughs> look it up I'll put it in exactly. the show notes. this is for your own edification <laughs> you need to know what we used to have to do to learn <laughs> uh
0: that was one of my major complaints.
1: Yes. For me, I think really just the emotional um, part, I mean, the the reason I like this movie, the reason I like this movie is the banter and the dynamic between Catherine Hepburn mm-hmm. and Henry Fonda. Yeah. That's the reason I recommend this movie yeah. or, or continue to view it over and over again. Um, and obviously, I think they do a fantastic job. And I think that getting older is something that you can't fully understand until you're in the midst of it. And I think that's why... It can be something that you can see, again, at different points in your life and relate to it differently. And so I think that's what makes it worth seeing why it would be on a top 100 or something oh, like yeah. that. yeah. Well, I'll even say that I see different things in it now watching it because I probably even seen it in, I don't know, five or ten years, something like that. And seeing it now and seeing not quite to the same extent but seeing health issues show up with my parents or things like that and so kind of relating to it not personally yet but different situations and going you know my parents are in their 60s and 70s would i want them to be at a cabin by themselves for the entire weekend or for entire summer Mm -hmm. like would i feel okay about them you know not having anyone around or checking in on them because really the only person who sees them on a daily basis is the mailman
2: Right, and he no, doesn't even true. necessarily
1: see mm-hmm. them. Like, would I be worried about that? I mean, he almost burns the cabin down. Like at one point, you know, oh, like yeah, I you know, about there's that. Mm. there's some there's some concerns there.
0: One of the things that I wasn't expecting about the film was that I assumed that most of the movie was going to be about him and his limitations, whether it be physical or him forgetting things. I mm-hmm. thought that was mm-hmm. going to be a huge part of the movie, and it you know keeps coming up. It right? frames it, but it's it not frames all it frames it, but it's not like the focus. I thought it was going to be about Catherine Hepburn specifically having to deal with the fact that he's, you know,
1: not able to take care of himself, Mm -hmm.
0: like, and that it was kind of gradually degenerate over the course of the of the movie. So it was a bit different than I expected in that
1: regard. I agree with you, and I think that you know it ends up being about him being an old poop. Yeah, (laughs) which I have to say, some of the best like '80s insults in this movie: an old poop, a nitwit. There's a, co- yeah, They, I mean, they, they use cursing in the movie, but I mean, it's it's comical ways for the mm-hmm. most part. So, so, Charlie, what overall, like, what's your overall takeaway? I know uh, the score is terrible, but what else? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: I thought it was definitely worth a watch. I mean, just for the performances, if mm-hmm. nothing else. That's what you really come for. That's what you really expecting when you come into this anyway. Yeah, some of the rest of it was, you know, ham-fisted or a little bit over the top but Mm -hmm. that's not ultimately what you're going to come away with anyway I think I'll forget about the score you know a few (laughs) months from now and if I ever see this movie again I'll I'll remember it it. yes I will (laughs) but ultimately yeah I thought it was a great experience I'm glad that I got a chance to watch it
1: I yeah, the warm and fuzzy part, seriously, it's just their their dynamic and thinking about getting older and thinking about what that means, I think, to be with another person and accepting or dealing with when they are going to be forgetful or when their body's you know yeah. shutting down mm-hmm. and when they're going to push everybody away, including you sometimes mm-hmm. and and I think just kind of being i don't know it kind of forces that into the forefront of your brain
0: if you're into great acting and well written characters um hilarious dialogue i mean i'm not surprised at all that you you're a huge fan of this film because when i started to listen to the dialogue it's like oh yeah it's like all those screwball comedies that yeah, you're and a really which I fan love. Of. yeah yes. <laughs>
1: um
0: but yeah i'd say overall i would recommend it and it's a very performance-driven movie though so if that's the sort of thing you're into yeah give there's it a not a
1: ton of action or anything and there's definitely a lot of you know like you said little ham-fisted moments so you gotta you gotta watch for that I also wanna point out again with just the one more warm and fuzzy thing is that um one of the hats that Henry Fund is wearing in the movie allegedly um was one of Spencer Tracy's that Catherine Hepburn oh, really? that Catherine Hepburn like I don't know I don't think she gave it to him, but she like gave it to him to wear in the movie at least. Um and obviously that was the love of her life from more yeah. or less. Um yeah. and while they were it was definitely a scandal. <laughs> they were never, <laughs> never really together, right? Because um, he was married and he was very Catholic, and so getting a divorce was not an option. Um, but yeah, so it's it was just a little, little trivia thing. I don't even know if it's true. I want to believe it is, so I'm going to run with that's that it. It is. Yeah, that's
0: one of those fun little tidbits, though, that I think kind of adds to the movie when you know those sorts of things. Yeah,
1: if you think about it as kind of being like these people that were all big at the same time and and maybe like you said this is the first movie or first you know work that Catherine Hepburn and Henry Fonda did together but they were definitely part of the same class mm-hmm. of of actors and actresses.
0: All right, so now I've watched On Golden Pond. Thank mm-hmm. you very much Jessica. It's one that I'd been meaning to get to for a while and hadn't really had the opportunity. There
1: you go. And it's
0: on Netflix at least to the time of this recording, so so go check it out. So my recommendation this week is a movie from 2006. is called Away from Her. It stars uh, Julie Christie, her memories gradually degenerating. Mm. Um, and it remi- this movie reminded me of, it, me of that because it's about her and her husband, and she checks herself into a nursing home mm. because she knows that her memory is going and that you know it's not going to get any better. And just how their relationship drastically changes and. It's a very tragic movie, which is kind of what I expected this one to be. It, uh, very emotional. but I I'm so recommend surprised checking you it out. didn't
1: pick The Notebook, Charlie. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's, it's a tearjerker, yeah. for sure.
1: It's kind of one of those movies where you have to be in the right mood to be like, let's watch something really depressing right now. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you have to be really in the right place to, to sit down and do that,
0: I Exactly, think. yeah.
1: Well, okay, so I feel a little sheepish about my recommendation, but I'm gonna go with it anyway. So I think for me, um, one of the greatest parts of this movie is um, the, the the main relationship between Katherine Hepburn and Henry Fonda. Really gives you, I don't know, a sneak peek or, or a goal maybe of of what you hope to have as a future relationship by the time you're you're of this age, by the time you're you're in this this part of your life, and um, it you know does remind me a, a lot of uh, Ron Howard and brian grazer's recent work <laughs> either in the uh, parenthood television series and then more recently this is us and so i was just remarking to charlie that you know i kind of feel a little little funny recommending it because they're things that obviously are already wildly popular and a lot of people are already watching them and they can be ham-fisted they can be a little heavy-handed with the um i don't know the things the characters have to go through and the big sweeping warm fuzzy moments between certain characters but that's similar to what was in this movie too you know and it knows what it is (laughs) it knows what it is and it's not trying to be anything else and that's a good point so i'm gonna roll with it well charlie thank you so much for letting me boss you around and make you watch something that you hadn't seen before
0: no problem if it's a if it's a movie like this I'm, i'm happy all right then And just a reminder, you can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd. Just search for Cinematic Respect to find us.
1: Also want to point out, it's really annoying that they're clearly both male loons.
0: Oh, well, as long as we're bringing up wildlife issues. or Kara <laughs> uh, had also mentioned the thing that really bothered her was that they were catching rainbow trout and she didn't believe that wherever they were, that there were actual rainbow trout that size.
1: <laughs> She's
0: like, are they in Lake Mission? Because that's the only place I know where there's rainbow <laughs> trout <laughs> that size.
1: I could I'm totally like, I don't see know. Kara being bothered by that. <laughs> But see, for mine, I was more like, okay, you guys do know that male and female birds don't look identical, right? Right, right. Like, those are two boy loons, like, in-your-face male loons. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, we had a decent amount of talk about the old lesbian who died, so, you know, maybe we're cool gay loons, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah,
0: why not? We're totally fine, yeah. It's 1981, why not? Exactly.
1: It's just really Um, funny to me. So... (laughs)